0: This is the Access Health Radio Question and Answer Show.
1: Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be discussing questions that we've received so far over the last year and some of the answers to those questions on Access Health Radio.
0: Dr. Forrest is a board-certified family physician from Apex. I'm Mike Davis. Thanks for joining us today, and we'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the companies that support Access Health Radio.
1: Thanks to Marley Drug in Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order generic medications directly to your home with free shipping, often at costs that are much lower even than the big box pharmacies. Check them out at MarleyDrug.com. Also remember, they have a membership program now that guarantees free shipping and most of your medications at no more than $5. And you can check that program out at GoMD.Care slash Marley Drug. Uh, we'd also like to thank We Care Pharmacy of Apex for sponsoring our tip of the week. You can check them out at WeCareOfApex.com. Uh, the folks there will also be helping us out with some special shows this year on prescription medications. We'd also like to thank Wake Family Eye Care, who sponsor Access Health Radio Trivia. And you can also check them out at WakeFamilyEyeCare.com. Also, Dr. Badwan from Wake Family Eye Care will be our special guest for some upcoming shows on eye health this year.
0: You may be wondering where we get the questions for our question and answer show. We get them from you. And so, Dr. Forrest, if folks have some questions they would like to pose to you, uh, how can they get in touch with you?
1: It's uh, quick and easy. They just send an email to accesshealthradio at gmail.com. And uh, also, if after the show they want to listen to an on demand podcast, they can listen to that at Apple Podcast. Or they can also go to WPTF.com and uh, listen to any of our shows or archive shows. If they'd like information about our medical practice in Apex, North Carolina, they can go to acchealth.com or call us at 919-363-0190.
0: Not focusing on just a single topic today, but on many topics as posed by you, our listeners. And we thank you for the question. So let's dive into our first one, Dr. Forrest. Uh, the first question, how much water should people drink? And uh, an ancillary to that, does soda or other drinks count as water?
1: Well, this is actually a really important question. I I often tell my patients that uh, as many as half of the people that are in the emergency room are actually there simply because they didn't get enough fluids to drink. Really? Uh, So, yeah, so it may not look like that. You know, they might be there with a broken leg, uh, but the reason they have a broken leg is because they climbed up on their roof when it was 100 degrees, didn't have anything to drink. Uh, got up on top of the roof and got lightheaded and fell and fell off the roof and broke their leg. Uh, But falls are caused by dehydration. Lots of people have dizziness from dehydration. Uh, It can damage your kidneys. So there's just uh, lots of reasons that you should get enough fluids. And it's also one of the freest uh, medications, or at least the least expensive. Even bottled water isn't that bad. Uh, So there's really no (laughs) excuse not to get enough. Uh, in terms of the amount, this is, this is one of those things. There's sort of a urban legend about that. Everybody in the world thinks they're supposed to drink eight, eight ounce glasses, right? And the, and the truth is eight, eight ounce glasses is only enough for somebody that weighs about 130 pounds. Uh, so on a lot of talk shows, what's happened is, you know, they would be asking question of somebody and somebody would ask the question. It might be a, a lady who weighed 125 pounds. And so they'd say, well, you generally need eight, eight ounce glasses, but the amount of water or fluid that you need in a day is directly related to your weight. And it's a very simple formula. However much you weigh in pounds, you just cut that in half and that's the number of ounces of fluid you need each day. So, you know, if you weigh 200 pounds, then you need a hundred ounces a day. If you weigh 300 pounds, you need 150 ounces a day. Uh, So it's a very simple formula. But I tend to find that even people that weigh 250 pounds think that 64 ounces is enough, and they need to almost double that. Um, In terms of soda and other drinks, um, you know, this is confusing. Uh, Yes, pretty much all liquid that goes in does count. The problem is that some liquids actually have diuretic properties. So, for example, if you drink alcohol, alcohol is a fairly significant diuretic, and it can actually make you get rid of more fluid sometimes cases and you take in. Um, same goes for lots and lots of caffeine. If everything you drink all day has caffeine, it's going to be a little less effective for hydration because it's going to have a diuretic effect. Um, and the other thing is people say, well, should it just be pure water? Well, no, it doesn't have to be just pure water. And in fact, we need to make sure we get some electrolytes uh, in our system during the day too, because uh, we need to take in something besides just plain water. But if your diet has enough sodium and potassium in it, then you know just plain water is fine all day. But just remember that formula. It's half of your weight in pounds, that's how many ounces you need at a minimum. and it's not that's not fully hydrated. That's at a minimum each day.
0: I can hear people saying that's a lot of water. I can hear people saying that because I'm thinking that too. that that sounds like something that might take some time to get used to.
1: Well, it is. And I think the biggest complaint I get, which is a valid complaint, is people say, well, if I drink that much water, I'm going to be in the bathroom a lot. And I think especially for older people Mm -hmm. uh, or people who don't want to get up at night, you know, it's going to interrupt their sleep. What I tell them is try to get all that fluid in your system by seven o'clock at night. And that way, you know, it won't keep you up. It won't be, you know, a nuisance.
0: Okay, that's good advice. All right, it is the question and answer show today on Access Health Radio. Our second one from the bag is about flu shots, Dr. Forrest. And this person wants to know why we have to get a flu shot every year, unlike a measles or a tetanus shot. Why is that?
1: Well, you know, some vaccines, um, the germs don't really change. Um, So, you know, measles, uh, mumps, rubella, those, those, uh viruses don't really change. Um, the bacteria, a lot of the bacteria don't really change from year to year. We don't have different strains necessarily um, of things like uh, tetanus that we have to worry about. Uh, with flu, what happens is every year, um, it's sort of like a combination lock and the combination changes a little bit every year. It's a three, it's a two digit combination. And uh, that's why you hear terms like H1N1 or H2N3. And the combination of, of that is what makes the virus a little different every year. And so uh, the struggle is every year we try to figure out which combination of flu it's going to be. Um, and we try to look at what's happening in other countries as things sort of move from east to west. And we can usually have a fairly accurate determination of what flu strain it's going to be that year. But that's why we have to do it with flu every year because it's a little bit different strain, a little little variation every year.
0: All right, that's. Uh, I was wondering that myself, so thank you. That's a great question. And uh, Dr. Forrest will have more of your questions, including one, a very timely one coming up about pollen allergies and what you can do about them. That is straight ahead with Dr. Brian Forrest here on Access Health Radio. This is Access Health Radio. It's our question and answer show today here with Dr. Brian Forrest, board-certified family physician from Apex, and I'm Mike Davis. Dr. Forrest, before we get to our next batch of questions, it's time first for the tip of the week, and we'd like to thank WeCare Pharmacy of Apex for sponsoring the Access Health Radio tip of the week.
1: This week's tip is about eye health usually around age 40 people will notice a change in their vision where it's harder to read things up close this is called presbyopia and it's normal with aging Uh, this is the reason that people use reading glasses or what some people call readers and while you can get reading glasses and even try them on at most stores to see what strength is right for you make sure to also get an eye exam as well to make sure nothing else is happening you might be experiencing changes in your vision due to something else like diabetes glaucoma, or some other condition that really needs treatment to save your vision. So I recommend an annual eye exam for all of my patients over 40 or for anyone with diabetes.
0: Thanks so much, Dr. Forrest. We appreciate that. Time for our second batch of questions on today's question and answer show. This one is timely. It's about allergies and pollen and uh, we're getting into that season right now. This person wants to know, what is the most effective thing they can do over the counter for pollen allergies?
1: Well, I think this one might surprise a lot of people. Um, you know, we're, we're sort of a pill culture, mm-hmm. and uh, people usually go and grab, they'll go, grab either a Claritin or an Allegra or a Zyzol or a, a Zyrtec or something like that, or even Benadryl. Uh, thinking that's going to be a, the most effective thing for allergies, and the truth is, it's not. It's actually not by a, a fair amount. So most of the over-the-counter antihistamines, uh, you know, Claritin, Zyrtec, things like that, they are effective, but did you know they only give about twenty-five to thirty percent relief? And hmm. to me, that that says, hey, you're still seventy-five percent miserable. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, the uh, the there were some some prescription products that a few years ago went over the counter and they're full strength over the counter. And they are very effective. And those are the nasal sprays that are meant for allergies. So Flonase and Nasacort are two of those that I commonly recommend. Uh, They're both over the counter and the nasal sprays have been shown that with just one spray in each side of your nostril once per day, they give you 50% relief or more. Now, the great thing about it is it's actually additive. So if you use the nasal spray, uh, that's going to give you about 50% relief from your allergy symptoms. And it actually also helps some with the eye symptoms, which is interesting. But if you then add a pill onto that, one of the non-sedating antihistamines like Zyzol, Zyrtec, or Allivert, or Claritin, um, then that's going to actually give you significant relief up to like 75 80%. And that's getting close to the to the benefits you might even get from something like allergy shots. Um, but allergies are here right now, and, uh, you know, they get here before the yellow pollen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yellow pollen actually doesn't cause most people a problem. It's the pollen that you don't see that actually gives you the uh, nasal symptoms. But just remember, those over-the-counter nasal sprays that are prescription strength, like Flonase and Nasacort, very, very effective. And you can pick those up at the warehouse clubs usually for under $10 for a month supply of that.
0: You're exactly right. I didn't start seeing pollen until just a few days ago, but a lot of people have been complaining about allergies for several weeks now, and I couldn't see them. So I was thinking, well, there must be something in the air that we can't see because I haven't seen it on my car yet, but it's coming out now. Right. Yeah. Okay, let's shift gears for this next question, Dr. Forrest. This one is about blood pressure. This list, listener wants to know, if home blood pressure monitors can be trusted, are they accurate, and how much should they expect to pay for a good one?
1: Um, the, the answer is yes. Uh, home blood pressure monitor technology has gotten much better. Um, and there are some key features you want to look for. So, uh, you want to make sure everything's automated. So don't buy one of these versions where, you know, you put it on your arm and then you have to pump up the bulb yourself and then it gives a readout. Those, those are notoriously bad. Hmm. Um, you generally don't want one that goes on your finger. That's not going to give you an accurate reading. And you also don't want, don't want one of these wrist versions. Um, the problem is with wrist blood pressure monitors is you have to position your wrist just right at the right level to get to to make it accurate and that level is is completely even with your heart and the beauty of normal cuff blood pressure monitors is they that cuff that goes around your arm that sort of slides up around your arm and under your armpit positions that cuff exactly across from your heart and that gives you a more accurate reading so Uh, So they can be good. I would say most of them are going to be within 10 points of what you'd get at your physician office. Um, But you want the kind where you simply mash the button. It blows itself up and gives you a number. Um, It's important that when you do that, you're being quiet. You're not moving around. Your legs aren't crossed. You're not having pain or stress because that can artificially elevate it. Um, And they can be pretty good. And uh, generally, people can pay under $100 for those and get a really good one. Uh, I see frequently uh, ones for around 50 to $60 uh, that, that look like good units. And and the store brands are okay. They're fine. Uh, but the sort of name brand that's usually pretty reliable is Omron.
0: Mm-hmm. As matter of fact, I have one of those myself, and uh, I, I trust that. It's been uh, very good. Okay, uh, Dr. Forrest, next people have some questions about buying health insurance. I have a couple of questions. Let's go with the first one. It says, we make too much money to qualify for a subsidy on the exchange plans, and those premiums are about four times more than we can afford. Are there other options that individuals or families can buy that are more affordable?
1: Uh, There definitely are. So, um, and I've actually, you know, used this for myself uh, before. Uh, So after the ACA passed, uh, as many people know, a lot of the common health plan prices went up fairly significantly, um, and it was just more than a lot of people could afford. So mm-hmm. um, I actually put myself on uh, one of these plans uh, called a sharing plan. Uh, and there's a bunch of different companies. There's uh, Metashare, uh, there is um, you know, Samaritans uh, sharing ministry. Uh, there is Christian Care Ministries uh there are several there's liberty liberty is one liberty direct Um, there are several of these plans that are much less expensive and the reason they're less expensive is that they got a waiver from the ACA so that they don't have to have all of the things that the ACA plans had to have Um, now that can be a downside so for example in these plans if you smoke you have to pay a higher premium mm-hmm. and these plans, if you, you know, have a chronic medical condition, you may have to pay a higher premium or they may not cover that condition for six months to a year. Um, and then they kick in. Um, but the benefit is they are much less expensive. So, uh, some of these are in the, you know, hundred dollar a month range. And what they do provide is, you know, uh, help, if you end up in the hospital with a major surgery, a big bill, and you know, you run up a $300,000 bill, the way it works is like a giant co-op and everybody that's paying their money in every month, when you have a bill, they literally just use that money to to pay the bill. Um, and I've had some actually employees of ours that were on these plans. And honestly, I was concerned a couple of times about how well it was going to pay. But in one case we had somebody that had a large, um, you know, mass in their abdomen that needed to be removed surgically. And I was like, oh no, what's going to happen? It turns out that that, uh, that sharing plan covered every single bit of that, uh, for that employee, mm. uh, a- after the surgery and everything covered, covered a hundred percent. So, uh, so the sharing ministries are good. I mentioned a few brands, uh, for employers, there's one called Sidera, uh, that as long as you have two or three employee employers, you can also use, and you can look into that one as well.
0: Okay. Thanks. Dr. Forrest. Here's Here's a question. I'm I'm curious about this one. This is a quick one. It's about Medicare. This person thought that Medicare was free, but they saw that money was getting deducted from their Social Security check to pay for Medicare. Can you explain this?
1: Yes. Yeah, so there's several different types of Medicare. And, you know, you take out money every month for all of us to pay for Medicare when we get older. Uh, and Medicare Part A is totally free. So once you turn 65, if you want Medicare Part A, which covers basically anything in the hospital, you know, the expensive hospital type stuff, that's totally free. Um, but Medicare Part B covers things like seeing the cardiologist and giving you co-pays for that and things like that in the outpatient setting uh, for those, uh, those kind of specialist doctors that aren't in the hospital. And that one you have to pay for. And I believe uh, it's, a, it's just under $200 a month. And typically that just comes out of your social security check. Then there's also Medicare Part D Uh, in many cases, that's going to be another 40 or $50 a month, um, to offer prescription coverage. So you can end up paying, you know, three or $400 a month extra, uh, on top of the Medicare you get for free. And I generally tell people to, you know, get, get what you need. Um, some people who are perfectly healthy, not on any medications and not seeing any specialists will actually just opt for part a, um, and in that case, uh, they don't have to pay anything every month out of their, uh, social security.
0: Good to know. Straight ahead, our Access Health Radio Trivia of the Week coming up. Welcome back to Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. I'm Mike Davis. Dr. Forrest, time for the Access Health Trivia of the Week.
1: You know, the number of people turning to the internet to search for a diverse range of health-related subjects continues to grow. And according to a new study, 80% of internet users, or about 93 million Americans, have searched for a health-related topic online.
0: Dr. Forrest, that is all the time we have for this week, but it's been an, an action-packed and informative show. Thank you so much.
1: It sure has. And our scripture this week is from Matthew 7. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show this week, and we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.